Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Good afternoon on a beautiful Wednesday and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. I'm joined as always by producers Jihei Wiley, Armani Buckets. Uh, Jihei, let's start with you. How are you today? I'm feeling great. Upset city, baby. Upset City. Well, listen, uh, we do have to talk about the Clippers game. I think I think that's what you're talking about. I'm not 100%. I am. Yep. Armani Buckets, I got a feeling you were watching the Warriors-Grizzlies game. You maybe two of the best uh, point guards. I, I, I mean, I think those are, without question, right, the top two point guards in the game right now. Yeah, the Grizzlies are absolutely for real. What an impressive win. They've now won 20 of their last 24 games, 10 in a row. And honestly, last night, they looked like the better team against Golden State. Obviously, Clay is still getting acclimated to being back in the lineup, but the Grizzlies need to be taken seriously. No doubt about it. I, I think we probably have to get past this whole, you know, because we've been talking about with the Lakers struggles. Hey, you know, listen, maybe if they get to the five seed, they got to play the Grizzlies. But who are the Grizzlies, right? I mean, the upstart Memphis Grizzlies. This team's for real. Uh, this is a contending team, and we'll talk about the question that you posed on your social media and uh, your own podcast there, Armani, that could this Memphis Grizzlies team play around and actually win a championship this year? We'll, we'll touch on that shortly, but we do have to get in to the Clippers. The Clippers, what an amazing comeback. Less than seven minutes to go in the third quarter. They are down by 25 points to the Denver Nuggets. And at that point, to be honest, I mean, if you tuned it out, if you did something else, I totally would get it because you're talking about a Clippers team. No Kawhi Leonard, no Paul George, no Luke Kennard. A couple of other players are not there. I mean, there's no expectation that that this team, which came into the game 20 and 21 below 500, is going to do a whole lot. And then they came back. And this is what I really love about this team and what I really love about the way that these guys play together for each other, for their coach, Ty Lue. Ty Lue, I mean, at some point we have to get into how this guy gets teams to come back when there is no logical reason for it. I mean, you go back to his time in Cleveland, and of course, a lot of the credit goes to LeBron and Kyrie for that comeback against the 70 three-win Warriors team where they're down 3-1 in that series. They come back and win. And even you talk about a year ago where the Clippers dropped the first two games to the Mavericks. They're down by 20-plus points in game three. That series is done. They come back and win that game, come back and win the series. In the second round, Kawhi Leonard goes down before they got to go to Utah to play the Jazz. They win that game. They close out the series. They go to the first-ever conference Finals, And again, I know this is a regular season game, but it would have been so easy 
on a random Tuesday night for a below 500 team down 25 points with less than seven minutes to go. And here they come. The Clippers come back and they win this game. They are now back to 521 and 21. The significance there, as we've talked about, if you're a 500 team, you're in the thick of the playoff hunt in the Western Conference. In fact, depend, depending on how the, the other teams do, the number five seed would not shock me if the number five seed this year was a 500 team. That's where the Western Conference is right now. And the thing for the Clippers is this, and you always have to remember this with this team. They will get Paul George back, and there is growing optimism that they are going to get Kawhi back. So no matter where they finish, as long as they're in the playoff hunt, and as long as they can get Paul George and Kawhi back, this is a different team. Because if this team was healthy a year ago, that team, in my view, they go to the NBA Finals. And I'm not saying that they beat Milwaukee, but I think that series is a coin flip. By the way, there's no doubt in my mind that that team with Kawhi would have beaten the Suns. That team without Kawhi took the Suns to game six. It should have gone seven because they should have won game one. But G.K., I'll start with you because that's what you opened the show with. It's it's something about these guys. And I think these are the moments that if they do get Kawhi and Paul George back, this is a big learning moment for the guys. And this is, listen, this is a deep team if they are 100% healthy. I mean, the fact that they came back and won this game, no Kawhi, no Paul George, no Luke Kennard, an impressive win. An impressive win, but I mean, they did have Reggie, so they did have a little bit of star power. They, they need somebody. I mean, at some yeah, point, you yeah. need at least one guy, but yeah. Yeah, they need. They had some sense of star power in there with Reggie Jackson coming back, and man, he came back with a blaze of glory. I was so, so excited to see Reggie back on that floor. Um, but yeah, these guys got something. I don't know what it is. They got chutzpah, charisma. I don't know what you want to call it, but they play as, as a unit, right? They play as a team. They know what it's what they need to do in order to play together. So, um, which is something that unfortunately the Lakers, I just, in my opinion, just don't have. Um, so that, that is the outside factor. I think that they have that they, that can help them get that five seed and help them make the playoffs. And, and even possibly if they get, you know, Paul George back and if they get Kawhi back and they're all at full strength, uh, even if they're only like partially healthy, they can still make the playoffs and make it past the second round or make it to the second round or maybe pass the second round uh, like they did last year. So really hoping for that. What a great win. What a great win. I did not turn off the television. I did not change it over to the Golden Girls, which I do uh, record every single night, even though it's on repeat. I, um, I, 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 st- I stuck with that game. It was phenomenal. It was just, it was so great to see them come back. It was great to see uh, even Clipper Nation even be up on their feet and be excited for that game. So, what a, what a win, man. And this is definitely going to help them, you know, later on, I think, in the season to just see that they can beat teams like this. They can beat Denver, uh, even though, you know, Jokic was like in and out, I believe, of the game. So he wasn't playing consistently, but still, it was just, it was a great, great comeback. Yeah, by the way, no stars for the Clippers last night. No disrespect to Mr. Jackson there, but let me give you the starting lineup for this team. Reggie Jackson, Amir Coffey, Avika Zubats, Marcus Morris Sr., Nicholas Batum. Off the bench, you got Bledsoe, Ibaka, good to see him back, Terrence Mann. Um, 
for for these guys to play together as a team, as a unit, this will be big. This is something that they can lean on going into the postseason. And these kinds of wins, I always love if you can get a couple of these during the course of the season. Because at some point in the playoffs, and we saw it before, we saw it even last year with the Clippers against the Mavericks, you're going to find yourself down 20. My goodness, down 25. With 6.56 left in the third quarter. Again, at that point, that game is done. I mean, it's one thing to be down 25 at the half. 25 with six and change to go in the third. I mean, that that is sort of the kind of performance you can lean on in the postseason. Armani, what did you think of that comeback win? If you just even heard about it or watched the, the highlights, I think mean, that's the kind of win a team like this can build off of, and it can certainly help them come playoff time. This Clippers team is obviously very, very flawed currently, but the way that they fight, the the Clippers a few years back had that team with Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell that was an eight seed, and they were the the talk of the town at that time because of how hard they fought because of how hard they competed. And this Clippers team is at least a little bit reminiscent of that team. The good news is that Amir coffee looks like he's a legitimate rotation player on a playoff contending team. He's been awesome. The bad news is that after that feel good win, I'm feeling great about the Clippers. And then there's a report that comes out this morning that the Clippers are operating under the possibility that Paul George may not return this season. That is per Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report. So there is an opportunity here that Paul George now does not come back, unfortunately, after I think we all assumed that the four to six week timeline, it sounded like he's back. So we don't know what's going to happen now with Paul George or with Kawhi Leonard. There was also another report that came out this morning that the Clippers may be looking to ship off Marcus Morris and other veterans to basically tank the rest of the season. Um, so there's a lot of there's a lot going on with the Clippers right now. Overall, it's a f- great feel good win, and they should feel amazing about coming back against Denver. But now, after those two reports, I am. I'm lost as to what to think of this Clippers team going forward. And that I don't even know what that means for Kawhi. I don't know if Kawhi would come back regardless of Paul George, Paul George's status. I don't know if they're a tandem deal. Uh, that's all up in the air now. So it's a lot going on with the Clippers. That, that's a great point. Uh, you know, I didn't touch on the report. I kind of wanted to get some, con- you know, confirmation from some of the, the beat guys who do cover the team. No disrespect to Jake Fisher, but, you know, um, have not yet confirmed that, have not yet uh, heard from some of the beat guys and, and people who cover the team. But listen, if Paul George is shut down for the season, in my view, um, I, I I do believe that that means Kawhi should get shut down too. Because, you know, the only thing I was thinking about with this team this season is if you could get Paul George and Kawhi back, if this is a playoff team and you add Kawhi and you add Paul George, that's a championship contending team. Now, there's no doubt about that. We saw the, what that tandem can do in the postseason a year ago. If Paul George is out, I don't really feel comfortable bringing back Kawhi just for, let's just say, the last week of the season. Because, again, there's been a big question mark this entire year of at what point do you officially shut Kawhi down? Like, there's no point in pushing him to come back too soon. If Paul George will will be shut down, and, again, we have not 
gotten that confirmed. My guess, by the way, is the Clippers are not going to confirm something like this. Uh, I think, like, when Kawhi went down in the postseason, I heard from multiple people that he was going to be done for the entire postseason, and the Clippers refused to to rule him out. My my guess is they will not do a- anything official. Where we will find out if 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 these guys will get shut down is if to that second part of that story, if they become if they start to trade away role players, if, if, if it's pretty clear at that point that they're building for the next season. And again, this team will be one of the championship favorites next year, because again, no, no matter if those guys get shut down this year, both of them will be back next season, Kawhi and Paul George. But if they start shipping off guys who are on contract years or guys who don't figure into the future of the team, that's when you will know that this is not a team that's going to contend right now. Question for you two, though. I mean, if this is it for Kawhi and Paul George this year, how do you shape the second half of the season? Because, again, we are basically at the halfway mark. The Clippers are 21 and 21. In years gone by, that would mean, hey, listen, you guys are done. You know, you guys are really not in the playoff hunt. And this year in the Western Conference, a 500 team has a legitimate shot to be a 5-6 seed, certainly in the play-in tournament. But if Kawhi and Paul George are shut down, do you start to ship off guys on contract years like Morris? Do you start to play some of the younger players? Do you start to think more about next season? Absolutely. I think you have to start thinking about next season. Now, the, the tricky part about Morris is he's been so good in the absence of of Paul and, and Kawhi that I would all, honestly want to keep him going forward for the future. I would make him a part of this core. But, you know, I think that the objective would have to be to see what guys like Amir Coffey, Brandon Boston, maybe even a Keon Johnson, what they can give you. And listen, the play-in tournament is, if the Clippers were to fall out of the play-in tournament, even without Kawhi and even without Paul George, there would have to be a catastrophic collapse because the 10th seed, which is the last seed to get in the play-in tournament, is like 10 games under 500. So the Clippers still have a, a cushion there where even if everybody shut down it's more than likely that they're going to still be a play-in team and with that being said you get young guys some playoff experience even if it's just one or two games I think that would benefit them in the future but I would definitely look at maybe seeing if a team wants an Eric Bledsoe seeing if a team wants a Serge Ibaka yeah but personally Marcus Morris I would I would look to keep for the long term but I mean, I think that Marcus Morris is too valuable as far as you know. Tr- I guess what you would call trade bait. So I, I would look at I would look at trading him maybe uh, for some picks, uh, maybe some cash options as well, um, or you know maybe somebody even better. But I can't think of anybody better at this current moment in time that would be available. Um, but some draft picks would be nice for him. Maybe doing a package deal. Um, yeah, you got to look towards the future, but I still think, you know, you guys are giving this team, I think maybe I'm just being extremely optimistic and a homer, but I think after that doubt, after that Denver win, I, I don't know. I I, th- I think that they can still be play. They're still going to be playoff contention worthy. Um, at least first round, if not second round. I know that they're in the eighth place right now in the Western Conference standings, but I still got faith in this Clipper team because they, of the way that they do play, the way that they scrap and the way that they, um, 
you know, it's kind of them against the world uh, mentality, backs against the wall. And I think that they can still uh, salvage the season a little bit. Um, also, Clipper fans don't have these astronomical expectations like, like Laker fans do. So I think that with that, I think what we should be fine. We should be in the clear. And obviously there, I think every franchise tries to look towards the future. If you're not, then why are you a franchise? You know? So I think the Clipper nation is going to be looking towards the future, but they still got some time. So let's, I'll, I'll, I'll pump the brakes on, on my decision to, to cut Morris and a few of the uh, veterans like Bledsoe from the, uh, from the cloth. So from the Clipper Nation. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. They will be in that uh, play-in tournament just because, again, the West is so bad this year that that, that they are going to, no matter what, they're going to figure out a way to make it into that play-in tournament. But, you know, when you look at long-term, I, I, I do think at some point you got to be thinking about next year. Again, through 42 games this year, the Clippers are 21 and 21. Kawhi Leonard has missed all 42 games. Paul George has missed 16 games. Marcus Morris, 21 games. Nicholas Batum, 19 games. During the course of the season, you've had Luke Kennard, Vika Zubats, Reggie Jackson. All these guys have missed time. I mean, I mean, it is incredible that with all that said, this team is 21 and 21. They are a 500 team in the playoff mix. But in terms of... Paul George and Kawhi, the, in my view, they are a tandem that, that you know, I wouldn't rush back Paul George just to play on a team that is going to get balanced in the first round. I wouldn't rush. I really would not rush Kawhi. I mean, like at all. The only reason that I was thinking Kawhi coming back this season would be good is, again, he hasn't played since the last year last postseason so if there's a chance that he's healthy enough to come back and contribute I always like if he if he gets some run and gets some time on the court but you know this is a team that for them to be a championship contending team there's no doubt about it I'm not going out on a limb here they need both those guys if you got Kawhi and you got Paul George and you got the supporting cast that is a championship team we already saw that a year ago that if all those guys were healthy and Kawhi was having one of the best statistical postseason runs in playoff history when he got hurt if Kawhi was healthy if he was playing with with the way Paul George was playing during that postseason, and not enough has been talked about that, how he literally put the team on his back and really willed them to game six of the conference finals. If that team is healthy, I think they win the West and they perhaps win the championship. So you know that the pieces fit, but I don't think you rush Paul George back. If, if, if he's not right, you don't rush Kawhi back. And I really think at this point, I view it that them – as a tandem, that if they both can't come back, this isn't a championship team. There's no reason to hurt someone long term or to put them in a situation where they're not going to be comfortable just to get bounced in round one. So, you know, I would at this point start thinking about the future. Again, you're going to be in that play in tournament. You may you, you you'll probably be in the, the postseason, but I give those crucial minutes to younger guys who are going to factor into the future of this team. If you're the Clippers, though, Armani, what is there a player out there? Again, now is the team, not, 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 I think now is the time you're going to be hearing about possible trades happen. And, you know, we'll, yeah, and we can even loop in the Lakers. Is there, a, is there a player out there that you would think would fit with these guys? That we have to be realistic in thinking that 
both teams, especially the Lakers, don't have the most enticing trade packages. There was a report today, this morning actually, that the Lakers are interested in Gary Trent Jr. of the Toronto Raptors. Now that is like the type of player where I could see that they have enough assets to acquire. And that's not, you know, a great player, but it's a solid role player. I would look at guys like that, Gary Trent Jr., Terrence Ross from Orlando, who, by the way, he's had a couple 30-point games in the past few weeks. Orlando, again, Gary Harris, guys like that who they, they're going to be probably in your rotation, maybe a sixth or seventh man, but not anybody that's going to be like a crazy star name. No, exactly. But, you know, I, I think for the Clippers, it's actually going to help them to kind of know where they stand. If Paul George is out, they're going to rule him out. They're going to rest him up, get him uh, the treatment he needs. And Kawhi, the same thing. Start thinking about next season because there's a lot to be thankful for. There's a lot to look forward to in the next season when you do have Kawhi back, when you do have Paul George back, and when you do, in my opinion, have one of the top two or three teams in the league. All right, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we're going to talk more about the Clippers and where they stand, certainly if they don't have Paul George and Kawhi. When we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio and the Fan in Las Vegas. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. Again, a tremendous comeback win for the Clippers last night, coming back from 25 points down with less than seven minutes to go in the third quarter. Uh, the kind of comeback win that you would love to build off of, but we'll see if that's even something that the Clippers can do, depending on if Paul George can come back this season. But before we talk about the rest of the season, let's kind of look back at last night and hear from Clippers coach Ty Lue, point guard Reggie Jackson, uh, uh, following that amazing comeback win last night. That's all. I don't even remember. Uh, I mean, just, um, I think scoring with 28 points, you know, in, in the uh, first half and only being down 13, um, you know, our defense was pretty good. Um, took away what we wanted to take away early on. We played good defense and then offensively just, we played too slow. Like we wasn't attacking, we wasn't aggressive, um, indecisive. So at halftime, I just, you know, like, what, why are we being so indecisive, you know? Um, so just attack, play your game, you know? And um, I think, you know, in the third quarter, we try to do that, and we missed some shots, and the game kind of got away from us, you know, being down 25. And then, you know, we went small. Um, I think Nico did a great job, you know, with Joker just trying to deny him. We switched it one through five, kind of hurt them a little bit. And then we decided we was going to make somebody beat us besides Joker. And, um you know, we did that and made their outside, I mean, made their guys shoot outside shots. They shot four for 33 tonight. So, um, Gordon's cuts hurt us. You know, you saw that, but outside of that, I thought we did a great job of just, you know, taking away Joker, switching one through five, letting our smalls play him, get up under him and then fire at the right time. And, um, the team did a good job of adjusting. Um, 
Eric only played like seven or so minutes in the first half. It's part of, uh, you know, getting more pace was that the impetus behind playing him so much more in the second. Yeah, I mean, I was just trying to find combinations. You know, at that point, when you when you score, you know, 16 points and 12 points, I mean, it wasn't Eric's fault. I mean, it was just trying to find a combination that worked. And, um, you know, we've been good about, you know, coaching staff just being good about, you know, finding combinations that work and kind of play together and play the right way. And um, some some nice stars are not going to have it. And we saw that tonight, you know. Uh, I thought Zoo and uh, Marcus were a little slow. Little, you know, Marcus could be a little tired. And then our bench guys came in and, and gave us a good lift. So, you know, that's that's winning basketball. And so we, that's what we need to do every night on a night-to-night basis. So I'm guessing you didn't quite enjoy this 25-point comeback as much as the one against the Jazz back in June. <laughs> they all count, but Utah's, count. Utah's a little bigger than this one. <laughs> yeah. Um, when you look at just the foundation that you laid defensively, and I, I heard you before the game just speak about the resilience the team has had with guys in and out the lineup, coaches in and out the lineup, and everything that we're going through. Uh, how how does it, a win like this lay the foundation for the rest of the season? I mean, it's a great win. You know, it's like we we got a long way to go. But like I told you, you know, our guys on the floor, we're going to scrap and complete, compete every night. And that's what I like about this team. And, you know, you're not going to make shots every night. But, you know, um, if you're defense, you play at a high level defensively, you're going to be in every game. And that's kind of what happened tonight. Um, you know, we couldn't score the basketball having 28 points in the first half and then having 27 in the third and 32 in the fourth, you know, so um, our defense kept us around. Like I said, we competed, we scrapped. You we know Joker's a handful, but, um, you know, we, we did a good job. We, we did what we wanted to do. And um, one thing we always, we could have took away was Gordon's cuts, you know, for dunks and things like that. But other than that, we did a good job defensively. You had two timeouts left with 147 left. Um, Michael Malone took a timeout with, with that much time left. So neither team used one at the end there. What did you tell your team in that last time out that you had, and how do you feel like they handled all those extra seconds to end well, this game? Just having a veteran unit on the floor, you know, Blair, Reggie, um, um, Nico, Marcus, and then, you know, Amir, you know, but um, just having the veteran unit, and we said, you know, we was up five. You know, we didn't want to double-team Joker. We wanted to stay at home and make him play one-on-one, you know, so we wouldn't give up threes. And then um, coming down, we wanted to just, you know, run high, pick and roll with Reggie, you know, involve Joker and try to attack him. And we did a good job with that. So um, we didn't want to, you know, call a timeout and let them get to the huddle and try to come up with some different schemes or things like that defensively. So um, we did a good job of managing the game, managing the clock, and uh, we did execute a little bit. What, what, did you, what were you thinking when Jokic just three went up? <laughs> I don't know if I can say it on air. <laughs> but, you know, you've seen him make those shots all the time. And um, like I said, you know, our guys, you know, we really needed that, you know, and the way we played, the way we scrapped. And usually when you see a team come back in 25, it's always close and then you end up losing the game at the end. Um, so, see, so see, you know, us um, scrap the way we did and win this game. I thought we really needed it. I and mean, I thought our guys deserved it. You know, offensively, the first half, you know, I just didn't think we attacked and played with that pace and speed we needed to. But in the second half, you know, we came out and did a better job. Uh, is Amir um, almost playing so well that you have to just keep finding minutes for him because he does everything, like, on both ends so well for you guys? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's done a great job, you know, and um, shooting the basketball well. I thought he turned down a couple that he should have taken. But just attacking the basket, you know, getting to the rim, getting out early in transition, attacking, and then defensively, you know, just always being – a good defender, you know, so you can put him on one, two, three, four. And um, like I say, he's been playing very well. And so I'm just happy for him and the work he's put in over the last few years.
I we obviously keep talking about the defense. Um, the team defense was very good holding the Nuggets to about 40% shooting. How much did that inspire you in the final minutes? Um, it was great. Like I said, it kept us involved in the game, you know, because, you know, being down 25, we could have easily been down 40, you know, the way we were scoring the ball in the first half. So, um, hold them to 41 points in the first half, you know, and then coming out holding 44 in the second half, you know, that was huge. So our defense of just, you know, doing the right things, doing the right coverages, playing hard, you know, um, scrapping, competing. I know we were small, so they kind of hurt us on the offensive board, but, um, we was able to get the rebound. We was able to get out in transition and get some easy things. So our defense is what kept us in the game tonight. What, what do you think was motivating everyone to get the steps and to cut that lead? Um, just wanting to win. I think just wanting to win and, um, not be embarrassed at home. You know, the game was getting out of hand. Well, it was out of hand being down 25, but, um, we, we found a good rhythm. We caught some momentum. Um, defensively got some stops and got out in transition and was able to cut the lead, you know. So our guys just kept fighting and competing. So defensively tonight, like I said, this is an old throwback game, 87, 85, but you know, we'll take it. Hi. Before the game, you're talking about, um, being impressed with how these guys handle adversity and sort of the character they've shown this season. Um, for Reggie in particular today, you know, one, one for nine, just kind of, <laughs> you know, messing up here or there. Um, and then to come through like he did, like, yeah, I mean, you know, that's who Reggie is, going one for nine and coming back going four for six and making some big shots and attacking the basket, you know, um, dunking, at the, you know, that big dunk kind of, you know, propelled us, you know, can't got us hyped up, got us juiced up. And um, like I said, he played well, you know, the last six minutes of the game. So they're not going to play great offensively every night, and we understand that. But the effort and the competitiveness on the defensive end is what you got to have, you know, every single night. And for the most part this year, we've done that. How does it, I mean, even for a vet like him to, to not sort of get in his head and get down in the course of the game when, when things are going on? I mean, down. I just think, you know, he's he's definitely big, you know, at the end of games. Like, those are the moments he lives for. And so once we had to cut the lead and, you know, get the game under control, cutting it to two, um, I think when he came in, you know, that was his time to shine. And so, you know, he's made big shots for us, you know, since he's been here. And then to kind of control and take over the game at the end um, was huge for us. And I thought Blair came in. Um, in that third quarter and just, you know, for the rest of the game, just kind of kept us under control, getting to the basket, making the right pass and right play and make some shots as well. So, um, we were able to attack, um, like we wanted to, you know, in that second half. And then, like I said, Reggie came in at the end of the game and brought us home. I know you said you can't say what you were thinking when the Yoko's shot was in the air, <laughs> but can it get a little discouraging at times defensively when you see the shots that he can make and, you know, you kind of can't overreact to adjustments with that? Yeah, I mean, because he made one, you know, I think probably two minutes before that, the one, you know, with the shot clock going down. So um, Coach Malone wanted him to push it in transition, and they do it a lot of times because, you know, you're getting back, you're not matched, you know, you kind of scattered out. And so he had that shot, which we've seen him make a lot, and um, I was just praying that it didn't go in. Also, uh, this is a stat, but you're the first team in the last 10 years to score that few points in the first half and still win a game. What does that say to you? Keep breaking records. <laughs> Just happy to get that, but no, calling that was honestly with teammates. They were, they were on me. Like, I, I went to a place where it was just tough. Like, it was, the game was ugly for me early. Um, most of the game, it was just ugly first three quarters. So, just told me, stay ready, stay in it. Um, that, that I, I tend to play big and big moments. So that's all they're, well, honestly, like from Terrence to 
the Xavier Moon, the new guys, Jay Scrub, Brandon Boston, the young guys, Marcus, Nikos, the whole team, they're Harper on these. Continue staying, stay in the fight, um, stay confident. Uh, they've seen me have success before, so just, just be ready. Uh, they knew, um, you know, the game's going to give me a chance to, to make some plays and just stay confident. So that was, like I said, that was my teammates, the coaching staff and the entire building, really, because, yeah, it was hard. It was hard to have confidence in myself for a long time. Did you, did you feel like, um, I mean, you started one for nine, you went four of six in the fourth. Did you feel like at any point, maybe after the first or second shot in the fourth, that like, all right, you have it? Uh, I'm not going to lie, the first shot. First one went in, I was like, oh, crap. All right, the lid bike came off. The second, <laughs> I was my same one shot hot. So it went in, and the second pull-up went in, I was like, okay. Starting to feel good. And uh, I think the three went in, I was like, all right, dude, we're rolling. Like, don't. Don't look back, just play and enjoy and have fun. But that was the biggest thing. Like I said, coach staff and players there, they could see what I was wearing. They're like, just go have fun. Just have fun, play hard, and everything else will take care of itself. So from there, and then it was like, we're confident. We believe in you. So just continue out there and play. And they're like, go play like it's practice. So, yeah, no, nah, hats off to them for for instilling me with all the confidence and just fortunate enough to get a win. All right, Reg, congrats, man. Thank you. Um, Earlier this season, you, you had kind of a, a lull offensively, and then you made the big shot against Oklahoma City, got the big hug. Um, does moments like this, like, do you, do you have a sense of, of, does it help you kind of find your footing a little bit? Yeah, it helps you get the confidence in it, honestly. Uh, I'm hoping, yeah, this could be another starter to find shots going in, but really just trying to, trying not to force bad shots, trying to get some easier ones early and, uh, no, the moments like these, yeah, just helps you keep the confidence there. Helps you understand that, uh, you know, you're going to have some bad days, some tough ones. But as long as you continue to, to battle, push through, and persevere, uh, you always give yourself a chance. So that's more so just a test of the work. And then, um, like I said, honestly, it's a testament to, to my teammates, to the organization, to the entire fan base. Like, I went back out there, and I don't know how I was going to receive like that. You don't know. You're not playing well, so... So the fan base still be behind me, <laughs> just still be confident. I mean, people chirping in my ears. I'm walking up to the bench. I'm thinking, you know, I, I got to try to just play well, like, just play well. Hopefully, that's always on my play hard and hopefully play well. They're like, nah, you're good. You're, we were confident in you, trusting you. Next shot's going down. I'm like, when you don't have belief in yourself or you stop, you stop having the confidence in yourself. When everybody's kind of feeding you with that energy, um, putting that battery back, it's hard not to go out there confident. So. I think that's a big reason once the first shot went in, I was like, all right, I'm good. Like, I've seen this story a lot of times. I feel like this. everybody else basically told me they've seen the story. Like, yeah, you've seen you have some bad games, you've seen you have some bad moments, but normally you just stay confident and find a way to push through. So, like I said, it, <laughs> this isn't me. Like, this was this entire building. This was an entire organization. Like, I was just a recipient of some shots going in, but this was everybody uh, putting that battery on my back and everybody giving me confidence today. Reggie, uh, I think we first started talking about Duncan when Paul had the dunk against the Mavericks that one Sunday. He was like, yeah, I got to give me one. And it, it took a couple of months. You got some last week in Phoenix, but uh, is this your favorite dunk that you've ever had um, in, in your 11-year career now? I don't know if my favorite ever, but it definitely, uh, it's definitely up there, especially like I said, with the moment. Like it, everything kind of came together at once, so. When that happened, yeah, I could feel my teammates even more confident. So, yeah, it's up there. It, 
When I look back at it, yeah, it's going to be up there. And I'm not going to lie, he's, he, was, he is the former MVP right now. So the ring MVP feels a lot better to, to get a big play, a big dunk, and then find a way to get a win. But uh, I don't want to say it's number one, but when I look back on it, it might be. It might be. So I just don't want to put that out there yet. But, yeah, I'm happy to get one. Like I said, I, I dunk in game-changing moments, hopefully. I try to save my legs being at 31, going on 32 now. <clears throat> Reg, I just wanna, how did it feel, you know, when you're struggling throughout the game and then you get that dunk on Jokic and then you have pretty much the whole arena start chanting your name. It was almost kind of like storybook kind of movie where you're down 25, the whole arena starts chanting your name. How good does it feel to have the support of the fans even on a cold night where just like in, a, in an instant, you have everybody in the palm of your hand? It's amazing. Like, it's honestly amazing. Like I said, um, I like to think of myself as a very confident person, very confident guy. And- Really, I trust in my work, so I think it's where my confidence comes from. But when things aren't going your way, um, anybody's confidence sways. So, like I said, to start feeling like everything's snowball effect, things aren't going your way, start feeling like you're in quicksand, you can't make the right play, whether defensively, offensively. Um, so you got that type of support, uh, not only just from your teammates, not only from coaches and um, the entire organization, but from your fan base. That's, 20,000, um, it makes it easy. Like I said, it just makes it easy to go out there and continue to, to understand, just live in the moment, play hard, and uh, <clears throat> just hope good things happen. So that, that like I said, them, the fans just not beating me up and just instilling confidence and allowing me to go play. It allowed me to get my own head. Like I think a lot of the game, I was still compounding uh, mistakes by not letting a moment go staying back in the moment, previous moment. So, like I said, we got that type of support. And finally, everything just let it go. And it was about this play, and that's it. Like, each play, just living the play. And whatever the result is, it is what it is. So, no, I'm thankful for, like I said, everybody in the building. They, they made it easy just to be forgetful and remember that um, this game isn't mistake-free. And they're just going to have fun. Like, that was – that's what – it started to get hard for me. It's been something I love to do, which is go out and play hard and have fun. That became the hard thing um, tonight for the game. So, like I said, it's, it's everybody. Everybody reminded me why, why I play. And, um, it allowed me to have that type of performance in the fourth quarter. <clears throat> you said that when things aren't going your way, you can kind of compound things and, you know, hard to get out of that rut. Speaking from Denver's standpoint, like when you guys are making that run, are you able to see from them, body language, demeanor-wise, where that doubt creeps into them and you guys start to think, this this is it? Yeah, I mean, you know, the other side of it before, I think um, maybe the young players haven't gone through it yet. Of course, but playing this game for so long and playing against the best in the world, being fortunate enough to do that, it's, it's a blessing in itself. Definitely giving up some uh, favorable leads, so you understand what it feels like to be on the other end of that. Honestly, you start feeling overconfident. Uh, start probably feeling the next shot's going to go in. By the time that board starts, you know, it, the gap starts closing and closing. Now you've gotten away from what you do. Um, the way that our guys were playing, they were playing phenomenal. Like, they, it was just energy. Honestly, energy. They were everywhere defensively. They were playing fast offensively with pace, something that we weren't doing um, for a lot of the game and allowed us to get open shots. But – yeah, you can start seeing it. I mean, they were getting shot clock violations. The ball was kind of thrown over a basket, hard shots. 
guys that you could tell they don't want necessarily shooting the ball in certain positions. So you could tell the defense was effective and they had stayed effective, but then to, to get going on the other end, you can kind of sense the pressure on them was now they got to try to close it out. Like they have to try to close it out or, or anything can happen. And you don't want to be on the end of that. So it felt like they were playing a little more tight and we were playing loose. And I think that's, that's what happened was that, you know, like I said, they played phenomenal. Um, that's plus 28. Like, Bled is plus 28. That is ridiculous. Like, that is unreal. He, him and that unit was, they were firing all cylinders. They were just playing hard and they were playing for each other. And, you know, he was very integral and in in being the catalyst for that, for the comeback and win. So, um, like I said, hats off to them. And you could sense Denver getting tighter and tighter and timeouts started to come. They couldn't necessarily find the shot that they wanted to, the way that guys were scrambling on, on team communicating, um, talking out coverages, making it tough on Jokic to get the ball back. So I, I could sense that for sure. Like when they couldn't get the ball to him, you want to get the, understand you want to get the ball to your best player's hands and make decisions, but the way we were fronting them, the way we were keeping the ball on the opposite side, um, you could sense that they were getting flustered. It was, it was making them upset and they were getting the shots that, they didn't like, and as well, it kept the floor in balance for them. So then allowed us to get in transition. Um, like I said, just the way that the guys played, um, we were fortunate enough to come out with a win, but that's all effort. That was all effort, the way those guys competed and gave us a chance to win at the end of the game. All right, that was Ty Lue and Reggie Jackson talking about the Clippers' amazing comeback win. Again, 25 points down, less than seven minutes to go in the game. The Clippers are now 21-21. and 21. But what does that mean? Well, what does that mean if Paul George is out for the season? What does that mean if Kawhi Leonard gets shut down for the rest of the season? We'll see. But that that's the kind of win you can build off of. And certainly it'll be a win that the young players on this team who will factor into to the future can build off of. Uh, but listen, this doesn't seem like a championship season for the Clippers if they can't get Paul George back, if they can't get Kawhi back. But hopefully one or both. We'll be able to come back this season. All right, that's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. The Arash Markazi Show on a new generation of radio. The all-new and mightier 1090 AM. So many hustle for the cash, so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing. Currency chasing worldwide through the hard times. Worrying faces shed tears as we worry brothers close to heart. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.